What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Matt, I got upgraded to a host. Now. I, got I got upgraded, upgraded to a host. Okay. It only took yeah. me like two months and being the star of this podcast, providing all of the content to everybody and doing the right analysis and getting everything out there. That's all it took. The right analysis includes getting every bet wrong, basically, at the end of each show. But, hey, if you count that as right analysis. It's all right except for that. But, uh, hey, you know what? It's all good. That's it. Like, minute 68 in the podcast. So, uh, you know, if I can have 67 good minutes, that's really all that matters. (laughs) All right. Well, today we've got a good 68 minutes coming to you. Probably not exact. But we've got some NFL talk, college football talk, and we've got another holiday segment. It's the on week for holiday segment, and we've got another Christmas segment for you this week. And so be sure to stay tuned for that after our football talk. Now, as always, we've got NFL coming up first and to dive straight into it. We've got the Cowboys. Okay. And so. They are at the top of the NFC East right now. And the problem here is they're going like they're gonna win the NFC East. Everybody knows it, but a lot of people are questioning if they're actually even gonna be a contender in the playoffs. Now they have the talent to be, that's for sure, but nobody really knows if they can even re- really make a run for the Super Bowl because they've got so many other powerhouses in their conference. And of course, they've got, you know, they've got so much talent on their team. When they're healthy, they're clicking and, you know, they're, they're one of the hardest teams to stop. But recently they haven't really been there. You know, Amari Cooper's been out. CeeDee Lamb missed a couple games. And their defense, I mean, they've, they've got a pretty good, pretty decent defense this year. If there's a year where their defense can help them make a run, it's this year. Because, again, you know, they've had guys stay healthy this year. And so they're flourishing. But. Again, if these guys can't stay healthy or if they somehow, you know, fall apart in the playoffs, they may not be able to make a run in the playoffs. Now, you could say that about any team. I know that. But I think the Cowboys are more susceptible to this just because they're the Cowboys. I mean, we see them do it all the time. We see them fall apart and lose games that they shouldn't. So I guess the question here is it's it's not even really as much about the Cowboys. And I'm going to hand it over to Matt to talk here first. But. I guess, I mean, we can relate it to the Cowboys and I think that they're kind of the example that, that, that shows this, but the, the overarching question here is, you know, what's the difference between the NFC and the AFC in terms of making a playoff run and being able to, you know, compete in the playoffs because we see that the AFC, you can just tell by the records, like the, the records of the teams that are, that are winning their comp that are winning their divisions right now in the AFC they're just worse than the NFC. Like it's, you know, numbers don't lie. And so we see that, but we also see a lot of teams in the AFC kind of, you know, losing to teams that they shouldn't have, or, you know, losing to more teams that they shouldn't as, you know, when compared to the NFC. And so I guess my question is basically just like, you know, the difference between the NFC and AFC this year, is it like, is it really that big and kind of, you know, what does that imply for the playoffs? I'm going to go ahead and talk about the Cowboys first, kind of address that, like you just said. And I think a lot of what you said was right. I mean, they they started off hot. They've 
kind of, you know, cooled off as of recently. Um, and I think you can attribute a lot of that to injury. Um, but, and, and then obviously, you know, Mike McCarthy had COVID. So he, you know, he missed the game against the saints uh, and, and they were still able to, able to win despite all the injuries and everything else like that. You know, they still won by 10. And obviously, I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about the saints too. Like they're, I mean, they're, they're talking about, you want to talk about injuries. It's like, they don't have anybody left in their team. So um so I don't think they should get too much credit for that. But I mean, right, you know, we saw the game on Thanksgiving against the Raiders. They, they, you know, they came back and, and, and sent it to overtime and still lost in overtime. Um, they've had a lot of like kind of questionable losses here. Um, and, and even their wins, they haven't looked too great. But I think that that's m- more of that is, is I think we kind of have to look I guess inwards more so than, than their competition, because as Hayden said, like, obviously, yes, they're going to win it, win the NFC East. So they're going to get, uh, you know, one of those top four playoff spots. They're going to get a home playoff game. And I think that, I mean, unless things get crazy here, cause I think they actually have four of their last five games um, are against other AFC East team or I'm sorry, NFC East teams. Uh, they still have to play the, the Washington football team twice. And I think they still have to play the Eagles and the giants once each. So there, there actually can be a lot of, you know, and obviously the Washington football team is kind of on a run here. So if they can, you know, if they can beat the Cowboys once or even twice uh, you know, the, the division is even not even, you know, really kind of solidified at that point. But I think the Cowboys just are such a big media pull, right? I mean, every if the Cowboys are good, I, I hear, you know, on other podcasts and, and just on TV in general, if the Cowboys are good, then, you know, numbers spike. Whether that be TV, you know, people who are watching the game on TV, people who are listening to the radios, people who are watching the ESPN, you know, the, the get-ups and the first takes and all that. If the Cowboys are good, it's good for the media because, right, you know, when they're good, people are going to want to listen to the takes and and see what's going on and be excited for their team. And so, you know, we kind of just curve that in here a little bit. But I think that's really significant in terms of because they're kind of a mediocre team at this point. I think that it's, you know, we can kind of say that but they're still so far ahead in their division. It just kind of points out the, you know, the, 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 where the bad teams lie and, and where the good teams lie uh, in terms of the divisions, as well as the, you know, the, the playoff structure going, going forward here. So then, you know, kind of the transition to, to the, to the question that Hayden posed is, is essentially, you know, let's it, it, it in terms of the road of the Super Bowl in the NFC for the versus the AFC I think that, you know, or I guess just even in terms of making the playoffs, like Hayden said, you have a lot of the teams who are have a worse record but are still in the hunt. And I think that adding this, this seventh playoff spot last year basically makes it so that pretty much everyone has is in the hunt for the playoffs at this point, right? I mean, any anything can happen. They actually saw this hot. The Lions can still make the playoffs mathematically. They haven't been eliminated. Um, and it's like, that's insane. So uh, so I think it's it's good in some sorts, but but also kind of not, because then you see all the teams that are in the hunt and they're all like five and seven. Um, and, and so obviously they will not be competing for, for a Super Bowl uh, anytime, anytime soon here. But I think kind of in terms of, Looking at the at the conferences as a whole, we see and another cool stat here is that actually in terms of for the AFC, I think this I read somewhere it was like this is the first time since 2002 or 2004, one, you know, basically almost 20 years ago uh, that at least every team in the AFC has four losses through the first 13 weeks of the season, which is good, I think, because it, it means that there's been a lot of parity. There's been a lot of teams, you know, worse teams that are beating better teams and, you know, better teams who, who aren't as dominant, who, you know, may have had a bad game here or there. And so, 
Um, and so I think that that's good overall, but it also kind of, you know, then kind of sparks the question, well, are, are, are there really any, you know, teams that are sticking out as, as one of the best? And I think that gets to a larger point of really what I'm trying to say here is like this NFL season is actually just really good because there's a lot of teams who we think are good and then they just kind of play a stinker game uh and there's teams that we think should be blowing out other teams and they just don't um you know the titans went on that huge run they lost to the texans right i mean you know the bills were like okay well the bills are you know they'll they'll, they'll get up sometime they have lo- they've lost like two or three in a row um and the same with the Chiefs early on. I mean, they're starting to kind of get things back here. But, but right, do, do all the best team, and over on the NFC side, you know, kind of let's go through it. Um, you know, the Packers lost to the Saints early in the season. The the Cardinals lost to the to the Panthers. Granted, yeah, they didn't have they didn't have Carl Murray during that game. But I think that we see a lot of a lot of parity in this NFL season. A lot of teams that are just kind of you know losing games that they're not supposed to. But I think that makes it better, right? It makes it more unexpected. It's not we don't have teams who are just you know, going on crazy, crazy win streaks. And so in terms of the overall playoff picture, it really makes it more um, of an unknown in general. And I think that's the good thing. And so I don't even think you can really compare whether or not it's going to be easier per se to make the Super Bowl from the AFC or the NFC. Uh, It's just going to really kind of work itself out as we get through here. And obviously we know that, you know, unlike other sports in in football, you only play one game in the playoffs. And so if you have a bad game, you're going to lose and and you could be out. And so that is going to be interesting as we go along into the playoffs and kind of see what teams we have and, 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 and who's playing who that, you know, if one team that we thought has been really good, or maybe is ending the season on a hot streak, if they have a, have a, you know, have a, just have a bad day in, in one of their first early round playoff games, they could be, be they could be knocked off easily by a team what that, you know, we would never expect to, to kind of get further on. And so, and so that's the larger point here. And I think that it's going to be good to see, hopefully, you know, as again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always a fan of the underdog to see if one of these, you know, the, 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 the teams with the better records now, if they're just going to end up kind of still maintaining their level of power and, and, and making it far in the playoffs, or if there's going to be a lot, like a lot of the parody, like we've seen thus far during the regular season, and maybe some, you know, some, some teams with worse records can, can make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And again, kind of just furthering your point about this, you know, the smaller teams winning and how the NFL should be that way in, in, in a sense, obviously there's going to be teams that, you know, have a winning record by far, but again, like we've seen that all of these teams in the league, I mean, both NFC and AFC, like all these teams can lose and, I mean, yeah, there's not an undefeated team left, but they can lose against basically anybody. And so, again, yeah, it, it kind of just drives home the point that nobody likes to see. I mean, well, I guess if you're a Chiefs fan and you love to see it, or if you're a fan of any team that makes a run, you you love to see it. But after two years of the Chiefs making it to the Super Bowl, nobody really wants to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat everybody by 30 points again. Like it's it it's it gets a little bit old, and that's coming from a Patriots fan who you know, had possibly the best dynasty in the last couple of decades. And so again, like it's, you know, even I got tired a little bit of the Patriots winning and I know I sound like a little fake fan saying that, but again, like, yeah, it just drives home the point that it's great that there's diversity in the NFL in terms of who's good and who, you know, comes out on top in games. And it kind of just shows that these guys are still human. They're out there playing their butts off, but sometimes they just can't come out on top. Sometimes they have 
bad games. We saw, you know, last night in the Monday night game with the Patriots and the Bills, you know, the weather, like the weather became a huge factor. And so obviously it was bad for both teams, but, you know, we see it all the time where weather, you know, is, is in, uh, is in favor of a team in the North, you know? So like, say for example, the, the Texans play the Packers, you know, the Packers are going to win that game 99% of the time, because if they're playing in Lambeau, right. Like they're, they're used to the cold in December and the Texans aren't. So obviously, you know, that's like the craziest NFL matchup you could ever make. But, um, but yeah, again, just an example of how, like, I like how the factors this season are really coming into play and how there's not really, you know, just one unanimous team that's automatically going to make it to the Super Bowl. So again, great, great that that's happening this season in the NFL. And that kind of transitions us. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the 17 playoff system coming into play in terms of making the league a lot more equal in terms of, of playoff chances. And so our next topic in the NFL is going to be that before it's, it's going to be talking about this, this phenomenon. So before Sunday's games, 25 of the 32 teams in the, in the NFL had at least five wins through week 12. And so that's the most in NFL history this late in the season. Now the new playoff structure with seven teams getting in already makes them um, makes the race for the playoffs more interesting. And basically our question is, you know, could the variability of the regular season really inhibit the, the truly better teams from, from making the playoffs and kind of, again, like how did, how does that relate to, you know, the talk that we had earlier about the a- NFC and AFC? Well, it's funny because I kind of actually led us into this topic a little bit when I was yeah. talking, because I said, I said a lot of the stuff that, that, that kind of agreed with this, but yeah, I mean, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, you see that, you know, over two thirds of the NFL had five, at least five wins. And, and a lot of the teams had, you know, more losses than wins, but it was still, you know, a, a good amount, like, you know, teams that you really wouldn't expect either. Right. I mean, we have, you know, the Falcons have five wins, like w- what wins do the Falcons have? Right. Like they have yeah. five wins They're you know, they, they've been doing it um, and, and, and other teams along the way as well. And so, you know, we see, and, and I think on the other side, a good example would be like a team like the Vikings, right. Where they're always in these close games, they're going to overtime, they're losing on game winning kicks, they're winning on game winning kicks. And they're also five and seven. They have the exact same record as the Falcons. And obviously, you know, they, they, they took a pretty bad loss to the Lions over the over the weekend here. But I think that kind of serves the point is like, you know, the Vikings are a team that, you know, people have have said, OK, well, they you know, if they can just kind of get their stuff together. They could make a deep run in the playoffs, but they don't look at all like a team that could make a deep run in the playoffs right now. Um, and I don't even think that they'll probably even have a chance to make the playoffs. And so that's kind of the larger point here. And, and what we're really trying to get at is like. If you have these teams who are looking good in some weeks and then kind of the next week they're playing badly, is that the mark of a truly good team who is deserving to make the playoffs? And then in, in that kind of in that that same kind of flow of the argument there, if, if a team gets hot and has, you know, a couple wins at, the, you know, that wins their last two games, for example, and, and they make it over another team who has been really solid throughout the year, has some really good wins, but just kind of, you know, stuck it out and, and, and sputtered a little bit to, to end the season. They don't end up making the playoffs. It's like, is that really what we're trying to get at here? Because at the end of the day, we want the best teams in the playoffs. We want the best teams to have a shot for the, for the NFL championship and the Super Bowl. Um, 
But if we have all these teams who are grouped together, and like I said, you know, you see those on TV, when you see those in the hunt pictures of, of, of teams that are trying to make the playoffs, it's like the entire conference is, is always in those graphics. And, and, and again, I think it's some extent, to some extent, it's really good because we do have a lot of these upsets that are happening. We don't have any of these teams that are really, really dominant. Um, and, 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 and so, right. And so to a certain extent, that is good. And I think it's helping out kind of the, your, you know, your, your fan of football who, right. If you're, if you're someone who's listening to a podcast like this, you're clearly a fan of football and, and you don't want to see the best teams continue to win all the time. That I think is what brings in the variability aspect of this NFL season and why it's been so good up to this point. But the, but where that can kind of run into a little bit of problems is, is right. When you have a team who let, and let's, so let's, let's kind of take for some examples here. I was going to get into a little bit later, but um, I think a perfect example, two teams, the chargers and the Bengals, right? They played this past weekend. It was pretty much exactly how we all thought the chargers and Bengals game would go. Uh, the chargers got up to a 24, nothing lead. The Bengals, you know, called all the way back. It made it 24 to 22. And then the chargers scored another, you know, at 19 unanswered or 17 unanswered points um, and, and, and ended up crushing the Bengals, but the Bengals had some turnovers, whatever. So that type of those types of teams where, and in parts of the in different parts of the season, but, you know, kind of still above water, both of those teams have been talked about as, man, these, these teams can really make runs in the playoffs. I mean, heck, Cincinnati was, was the one seed in the AFC at one point. Right. Uh, and I think now they're like the seven seed or something. And, 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 and so, or, and maybe even below the chargers now that the chargers have that win over them. So that's kind of an example of something I'm talking about where we had, a lot of evidence as to why a team like Cincinnati would be a good, and me and Hayden even talked about it in the podcast. We, you know, we kind of went over that AFC North topic talking about, you know, who's going to win the, who's going to win the uh, division, but who do we think is going to have make a larger or a longer run in the playoffs. And and we both picked the the Ravens and the Bengals. And I think that now, you know, if the Bengals kind of mess around and lose a couple games here to end the season, they may not, they might even make the playoffs. And, and, and so a team that we thought was going to be a lock for the playoffs. Like, wow, they're really exciting. They may not win the Super Bowl, but they're exciting. They could go far, you know, at least for, for the first time in a long time, be able to make the playoffs because they have a pretty solid team this year. You know, are they going to be held back by a team that, you know, isn't that great, right? Like, let's say, let's say a a, a Las Vegas Raiders or or a Denver Broncos, you know, I mean, obviously the AFC West is kind of all over the place this year, but again, teams that have five or more wins who have looked really good at times and, and, and have sputtered in some other games. And so um, that I think is really what we're going to have to look for, look out for kind of as the playoffs come see who may be getting snubbed as we get closer to, to the seating and everything like that. And I think tiebreakers are going to be a really big part of this division wins conference wins um you know i think we're going to be hearing a lot about that so so we'll see as we get closer but i do think that we might run into a scenario and then maybe kind of now that we're talking about it now we can even once the playoffs are decided me and hayden can have like a topic uh that kind of goes over you know what teams were we thinking about earlier in the season maybe that got really you know kind of screwed over based on their their recent success or lack thereof towards the end of the season where they couldn't really make make the playoffs and have a chance to really show their stuff as 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 we thought they were a solid team uh before but but kind of you know got 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 uh didn't get a chance to even really prove any of it yeah so i think all of what you said was great and just one thing i want to add here is and this is kind of this kind of relates to the playoffs only and kind of 
how the regular season is playing into the playoffs. Now we all know that there was a, an extra game or an extra week added onto the NFL schedule this year. So it's, you know, 18 weeks instead of 17 weeks, but I feel like, and I may just, I may be completely missing the mark here, but I feel like this year there's more, there's more instances of teams, divisional teams still having to play both games, like really late in the season. So as mentioned, as Matt mentioned earlier, the Cowboys, they still have to play Washington twice. And we all know that, you know, they play each other twice every year, but I feel like usually divisional teams play at least one of their games, you know, kind of earlier in the season and then want to get their games later in the season. And we saw, we saw it again when we were talking about Baltimore and Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, which also, which Matt also mentioned, Baltimore still has to play. Uh, well, I mean, they, they played the Steelers this past week, but at that point, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, they still had to play the Steelers twice and the Browns twice. They still have to play the Browns, the Browns twice. And so it's just, you know, it's just a little bit weird because they're playing I, the Browns once they have, they, so that was the kind of funny thing about the AFC North there. So they played on Sunday night. Remember, and it was that terrible game where the Browns looked awful and the Ravens also looked awful. Lamar threw four picks uh, and then we come away from that game and we're like, Oh, the Ravens must be better, but the Browns are really, really bad. It was kind of funny for the Browns because they had, they played that game. Then they had a bye week this past mm-hmm. week, and now they're playing the Ravens again. So they're essentially playing the Ravens twice in a row. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's still going to be some variability in who can win, and, and we still don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that's and I think that's added a lot to, again, kind of the value of the end of the season. Everybody knows that December football is, you know, the most important football because, obviously, playoffs are right around the corner, and everybody's trying to see where they're at in terms of who's getting in, who's, you know, who's getting left out. But I think that leaving these these divisional games until the very end of the season is actually a pretty good idea by the NFL because, again, a lot of teams that are kind of winning the race in their division, they kind of let up a little bit. They give up towards the end of the season. But, the, I mean, they can't do that now because, right, you know, the Ravens are on top of the, the AFC North. But, right, like they, you know, they still have a bunch of divisional games left to, that left to play and they just let one go against the Steelers, which they really shouldn't have. But they did. And so, right, you know, they're, they might go one and one with the Steelers, as I predicted. And they'll probably go two and oh against the Browns. But again, like it's just kind of, you know, it, there's a lot of competition at the end of the season. And I feel like this season, more than ever, there, there's been more of that. And there still will be because, again, a lot of, you know, a lot of teams still have both of their divisional games with another team in the division left. And so it'll be, you know, it'll just be interesting to see. And, just super competitive. And I think it's a great, I think it was a great idea idea by whoever makes NFL schedules, whoever that, whoever has that job, I would love to be them, but you know, I I think it's a great idea because again, you've got so much competition now and and nobody can really, you know, let up or, or, you know, rest their players right now because they still got a bunch of divisional games left. And, you know, there's a bunch of uh, so much could still happen. So, right. It's, you know, makes this this part of the year really exciting for the NFL. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's the part that I'm kind of getting at too in the larger point here is like 
since there is so much to still figure out, that's what makes it worth watching. As we get as we get closer to the end of the season, it's it's not like all right, well, all these other all these teams have clinched the division, all these teams have clinched the playoff berth, and we're essentially just waiting out the end of the season. Yeah. This season will be good, and as I've mentioned too, we have the extra game as well, uh, which will incentivize more, I think, competition and 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 really just jockeying for position when it does come playoff time. Um, and and so I do think that's a good point. Um, all right. I think that's good for the NFL talk again. Sorry that the topics were a little bit related, but I think it, it flowed well. And, and I think that that's kind of, since there weren't really many, I think there weren't really many, I, I guess there wasn't really much drama this past weekend. Like, it was pretty much every team that should have won did win. There wasn't many upsets. There wasn't many, you know, storylines. So I think that that's kind of why we wanted to look a little bit more big picture uh, with the NFL kind of, and again, I mean, it always passes so quickly and we're almost at the playoffs already. Right. I mean, we've, we've done 13 weeks of this. It feels like it's been two. Uh, so, so we kind of also wanted to get a little bit of a reality check as we get close to the NFL season here. Um, but let's switch to college football. So we have the playoff teams. The playoff teams were announced. It was number one, Alabama, number two, Michigan, number three, Georgia, and number four, Cincinnati. I think that there's not much to really say in terms of, you know, oh, you know, oh, this team got screwed over. This team should have made it over this. I think that the way that the games played out, obviously with the two bigger upsets being Oklahoma State losing to Baylor and then Alabama beating Georgia. I think that we had a clear cut four teams that were the best four teams in college football who deserve to be in the playoff based on the wins and, and, and losses uh, that they had this season. So, um, and, and we saw kind of the dominance that they showed. And I guess the real drama here is how good Alabama was, but by this point in the week, you've definitely consumed all of that content because that, and I mean, right, that's the big story going in. And, and I do think that it really is interesting how well Alabama was able to play after being counted out by everyone, you know, their offensive line isn't going to be able to block Georgia. You know, maybe Georgia's defensive backs can be can be lit up a little bit, but they won't even have time to throw. Bryce Young is going to get sacked all game. They're not going to be able to establish the run. And it was like as soon as, you know, basically as soon as the half the first quarter was gone, it was like all that was out the window. And, and Alabama, I think they even and again, this just speaks to, I think, kind of Saban's greatness and everything, too. They switched up like the entire offensive line. They had they moved like the center to guard. They moved the tackle to the center and they moved it and so they're moving all these pieces around it's like how do you even expect that to work out but it all went perfectly because it's Nick Saban and it's Alabama and you know they always they always win those games and so and there's these crazy stats that are flying around too I think it was like there it it was like um yeah so there's one that's Nick Saban when he's been a coach of Alabama has been an underdog Alabama under Nick Saban has been an underdog I think three times since either he got there or like in the last 10 years or whatever. And each of the times that Alabama was an underdog in those respective games, they won each of those games by 17 points or more. Like, are you kidding me? That just speaks to the greatness that that team exudes. Like every single time they step on the field and that you really, you really, really can never count them out of a game. So again, congrats to them for winning. I do think that they deserve to, you know, obviously to be the number one seed because you know, they, everyone is going to have a trip up game at some point. And, and they, you know, theirs was against Texas A&M earlier in the season. It, it's hard to go to t- Kyle Fieldhouse and win. Um, and, and Texas A&M had, a, I think, a better team than their record really indicates. So totally get that there. And it'll be really interesting to see how these playoff games go. Um, but here's the thing. 
yes, we have some diversity. We're used to Ohio State and Clemson being pretty much the other two teams that along with Oklahoma that are kind of always in the playoff, right? Uh, or, or at least, you know, vying for playoff positions as we get closer to, to the actual end of the season here. So we have some different teams, especially Michigan and uh, Michigan and Cincinnati, who have never made it to the college football playoff before. Obviously, Cincinnati broke the, broke the kind of glass ceiling of the group of five teams being the first one to ever get in. Um, that's really great and all, but Alabama and Georgia, who everybody knows are the best two teams in the country, they're both favored in their respective gains by more than a touchdown. Georgia, I think, is up to eight, eight. They're favored by eight points. And then Alabama is like 14 or 15 at this point. Um, and so the, the question that we're getting at here and, and the topic for this for this segment is, does the diversity within the playoff even matter when we essentially already know the outcome of the semifinal games? Basically saying, Yes, it's okay. It's good to acknowledge that Cincinnati and Michigan are new to the playoff and it's good to have some new teams make it. But we basically know that Georgia and Alabama are going to win both of those games and they're going to face off in the championship. And again, that's the championship that I think a lot of us are going to want to see because right, the, the, you know, it's going to be the, it's going to be the rematch. It's going to be who can come out on top this time. It's hard to be a team twice. It, there, it's going to be a great storyline. It's going to be a great game to watch, but like, I think it just speaks to a lot of what we've been kind of talking about too. I'm on the podcast about college football in general is the inequity that it's, that it's like inherently present within the stature of this league, um, which is, you know, the, the better teams are only going to keep getting better and facing off against each other. So, so that's kind of the question that I'm going to let Hayden take over now too, uh, and just kind of see what he thinks, um, you know, about there, there being some diversity within the play, within the playoff, but if, does it really even matter if, if both these teams are going to basically just cruise to victory anyway? Yeah. So I think the, the first thing that I want to say about your, you know, kind of answering this question is the fact that I think, I think this is, great for you know a trial year where again like matt said it we have a team in the in the playoff that's not part of the group of five conferences that we're used to seeing in the playoff and again we got cincinnati in there you know they're gonna fight their butts off probably but again like matt said they're you know they're 14 point underdogs so they're most likely not gonna even really come close to alabama like let's be honest they're you know they're they're such big underdogs and and they haven't played anybody even close to Alabama caliber yet this season. And so, right. We're going to see Alabama probably win that game. And one thing that I think it's going to do is kind of, you know, show people that really want their team that goes undefeated in the, you know, mountain West conference that, okay, you probably shouldn't be in the playoff because you're going to get slaughtered by Alabama or, you know, Georgia or, one of these powerhouses, like, yeah, you went undefeated and you won all your games. And like we said, that's one of, you know, that's the best indicator of a team that deserves to be in some kind of, you know, postseason play and some kind of competition to ultimately win the league, which would be, you know, the college football playoff, which wins, you ultimately win the division one football league. But again, like it's, I think this year is going to really show people, okay, Yes, you went undefeated, but you're not one of the big big dogs. So maybe just, you know, kind of keep to yourself. Now, again, it's sad to say that because, right, like Matt has said, it's, you know, the, the good teams are just going to keep on getting better and the 
pretty much the the gap between the good teams and the bad teams is just going to get even bigger. And, you know, not necessarily the bad teams, but like the, the teams that don't really get as as many recruiting opportunities and, you know, as many looks basically. And so those teams are just going to fall to the bottom even farther. And right. It's sad to see, but I think this year, like, you know, I think it's good that this, that Cincinnati got in this year because of that. I think it's good that we're going to see since, and, and you know, maybe Cincinnati may surprise us, but again, going off of what we, you know, what's probably going to happen, we're probably going to see Cincinnati lose by a lot. And then we're going to say, okay, well, you know, this year kind of showed us that these undefeated teams in worst conferences can't even really c- compete, even though they went, you know, undefeated. Now, the second thing I was going to say, and this is, this is more kind of geared towards Michigan and Georgia is the fact that, okay, yeah, it's, it's really, we- I mean, I, I know I'm not the only one thinking that it's really weird that the number two seed, the, the higher seed in this game is an under is an, is an eight point underdog. Like that's already just kind of out of whack. And again, you can make the argument, Oh, Georgia should have only fallen two, and, you know, Michigan should have fallen to three, even though that they, even though they won the big 10 conference and they were already number two, right. You can make an argument for anything, but again, they're still in the playoff and they would have played Georgia either way. They're not going to, they weren't going to fall to four, you know, Cincinnati's already in that spot. And so, right. They would have been playing Georgia either way. You can, I guess, make an argument that Michigan goes to one or something like that. But again, yeah, we're going to, we're going to leave all that out of here because it would take five years to talk about all that. So basically what I, what I want to say for this game is, Right. I think, you know, Georgia has a great team, but, and this, this is one thing that, that I have a problem with is like, I don't, Stetson Bennett is good, but we've seen that, like, I think in these, I think in these high pressure games where he really has to, you know, he has to be an X factor on this team. I think that he gets a little bit flustered and this may just be me, but watching him play in these big games, I think that he gets, he gets a little bit, you know, kind of out of whack, which is understandable because he went from, you know, he went from being a walk-on at Georgia to playing at community college and then going back to Georgia and being on the best team in the country. Like that makes absolutely no sense, but it's, you know, it's the reality of it. And so I think that we could, we could see Michigan again with these, you know, with these two edge rushers top, you know, possibly both top 10 draft picks next year, we could see that them get to Stetson Bennett and we could see that whole offense pretty much just go like, you know, to shambles. I don't know. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think that, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think it will be. And if we do see Michigan come out on top, that would be great. But I also kind of want to see Georgia and Alabama face off in the, in the playoff. I mean, in in the championship again, I know it's kind of boring, but again, I think that I, I want Michigan to win, but I think, I think, well, I kind of just went against that, but I, I want Michigan to win just because they're, they're the underdog and they're the underdog by a lot. But again, Georgia, the, the firepower of that defense, you know, it, it'll, it'll just be cool to see what happens, I guess. I know what you're saying. And, and I do agree that if it would be cool to see an upset of one of those teams, but it's like that basically, you're basically choosing, okay, do you want to see an upset in one of the semifinal games? because then basically whatever happens in the championship game is going to be a blowout. Um, yeah. Or do you want to see, you know, right. The, the, the kind of the chalk will hold both the better teams will, will win. And then you'll have an amazing game for the championship. So um, 
And then to kind of touch on the Georgia-Michigan thing that Hayden was talking about, I think he made some good points that it really will be a defensive battle. And 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 to touch on the uh, the Stetson Bennett thing again a little bit, that whole situation has been really interesting because of the because of the sense that. Georgia has a five-star quarterback, JT Daniels, who they recorded and or, uh, recruited, and he was supposed to be a really amazing. And, and he, you know, he's been hurt a lot and hasn't really gotten a chance to start, but he's been in there. And when he's played, he's been okay, but not, I don't think is really a lot of what they say is like the biggest excuse they're giving is like Stetson Bennett is mobile, right? He can run more than uh, more than JT Daniels, but I'm still, it's, it's really a weird situation going on there where you have a five-star quarterback sitting on the bench behind a walk-on who shouldn't even really be playing playing um but I think that I mean clearly they tried them both out and they like Stetson Bennett better so you know maybe Stetson Bennett he's a yeah obviously he's more mobile maybe he's a better leader in the locker and maybe you know the team just kind of gels around him more um and, and he he has played well right I mean obviously they're not going to be asking him to do the same things that Bryce Young is doing at Alabama but at the same time he's been he, he's performed when he's had to but I and I think to kind of get to what Hayden was talking about a little bit more too is like he, when he's in these high pressure situations, he may not look that great, but like really what it comes down to is the fact that he's not even really ever in a high pressure situation because Georgia's crushing everyone that they play. And so now that he was, I mean, seriously, this was the first time that they were losing by like more than seven points, I think in the entire season, uh, maybe even more than three points the entire season. And it's like, if you're in a situation like that constantly for the entire you know length of your, of your season, I don't think how I don't think you could expect anyone to be ready for the pressure of a game like that and having to come back and, and, and you know, look at the scoreboard, see yourself down and, and be like, all right, I'm going to mount a comeback. And we saw Bryce Young do it the very week prior to playing Georgia when they were when when Alabama was playing uh, Auburn and, and, and I mean, Bryce Young was like, all right, cool, we'll just go 97 yards and score a touchdown, send it to overtime, then win in quadruple overtime. Like, are you kidding me? That is like, you know, playing under pressure that is playing points. Stetson Bennett has never been required to to, you know, even be close to a situation like that. And, and, and so he hasn't really been able to, I think, develop the skills that it takes that's necessary to bring a team back like that to, to say, OK, we're down. We're going to bring him back. And Alabama even did that in this game, you know, this past weekend when they were playing Georgia. Georgia went up 10-0. It looked like they were going to crush. And then basically from that point on, you know, Alabama and Bryce Young was just like, all right, cool, we're going to do this. So so I do agree that Stetson Bennett doesn't really have the, you know, the it factor of when I'm down, I'm going to bring this team back in a high-pressure situation. But you really can't expect him to have developed that because he just wasn't in any situations like that up until now. Um, so that is the kind of the playoff, you know, ish talk. And again, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens, but I do think that we're going to end up with Alabama and Georgia and we'll preview these games a little bit more closer to the time that, that they're going to be played. Um, both of them are on new year's Eve, by the way, it just, I think they changed that from last year. So um, that'll be fun, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll dive into the matchups a little bit more, uh, but this was kind of just a, a, a feeler out there of like, you know, yeah, it's good to see some other teams make it, but at the same time, we kind of already know, um, you know, who's going to be playing for a championship here. So the second topic in the college football section is more coaching news. We talked a lot about this last week on the Tuesday episode. We also had an entire episode des- dedicated to it on the Saturday episode. That was a really good one. Go listen to it. Um, we talked a lot about kind of the the, the behind the scenes of really kind of what these coaches are getting paid, how much their benefits are and and really the inequity that's created there and kind of how we think the bigger hires will, will pan out. We had two 
other big hires, uh, you know, kind of happened earlier in the week here, uh, Sunday and Monday. Brent Venables is the is the defensive coordinator for Clemson. He has been for, I think, seven or eight years at this point. Um, he is the mastermind behind all of those great defenses that that competed for national championships and won national championships in that kind of five or six year run that Clemson had there. Um, he's he's been a, he's been coaching football forever and he's a great defensive mind. And so he's going to be the new ho- the new head coach of Oklahoma, which is interesting, I think, because. You know, you say, all right, well, this is Oklahoma. This is a team that has produced Heisman winners, has has gotten to college football playoffs and, and plays in the Big 12, which is, you know, perennially an offensively driven league. Now you bring in a defensive coordinator who is, again, a defensive genius. But at the same time, will he kind of be able to transition a little bit and, and, and at least focus enough on the offense to get enough out of the players that he'll have? Um and obviously he'll have some work to do, you know, starting day one uh, because of how many players have already either decommitted uh, from Oklahoma who, who thought that Lincoln Riley was going to be the coach or have flipped their commitment to USC to move along with Lincoln Riley as he, as he transitions there as well. So that was the one, that was the one big coaching hire. And then the other one was Mario Cristobal, who has been the coach at Oregon for the past five or six years. I think um, he was hired at Miami. And, and, and Manny Diaz was fired and, and he, you know, he'd done okay, but again, nothing that Miami is used to seeing uh, in, in terms of their historic success. And so Mario Cristobal, the interesting, interesting thing about him is that, yes, he's been running a really good program there at Oregon for the past, however long. Um, and his big thing, so obviously, so Brent Venable's big thing is defense. Mario Cristobal's big thing is recruiting. He recruits his butt off. He gets players in the door, and he and he gets them to sign, and he's really been able to hold his own at Oregon. And obviously, Oregon has the whole Nike thing, and that, you know, they're, they're, they were good before he became the coach there. But I think that after Chip Kelly left, it would have been really easy for a lot of these recruits to say, all right, I'm just, whatever. Oregon's like, you know, they don't have Chip Kelly. They don't have the offensive system, so let's go somewhere else. But Mario Cristobal really, really, really um, was able to standardize the level of high recruiting and 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 keep you know Oregon as as a as a you know perennial contender in the Pac-12 as well as even you know some top ten appearances and 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 college football playoff kind of jockeying for position there. So he's been a really good recruiter, and I think that's kind of the background on both of these coaches and why they got the jobs. Um, Mario Cristobal also went to because a lot of people are going to say, well, why would you go to Miami? They're so much worse. Um, and, and, and Oregon's, you know, obviously better. They're always in the top 10 and they have all these good recruits and they have the Nike support behind them. So why would you go to Miami? I'll explain a little bit about that later on. Um, basically he went to Miami and, and I, th- and he played football there. And so it's kind of like a hometown ties. He grew up there and stuff, but there's also some other things behind the scenes that I'll get to a little bit later. The question I'm going to pose to Hayden now is now that both of these schools are kind of trending in the same direction, which would be a negative direction. Who do we think out of these two coaches will have more success either immediately or long-term? Yeah. So I think the, the easy answer here, you know, kind of the cop-out answer would be Miami because Oklahoma's lost so many recruits and basically they don't have anybody coming to their program next year. And maybe with Brent Venables, you know, we'll see, we'll see some guys come, especially some defensive guys. And that's one thing that I think, like Matt mentioned, you know, Brent Venables, he's, he's a defensive guy. He was like the most passionate defensive coordinator you'll ever see in your lifetime. And so obviously, you know, Oklahoma, big 12 team, they've never really had a great defense, just like every other big 12 team. And so I, I think that we'll see 
kind of a shift in the tide in terms of which side of the ball is, is, is the strongest part of Oklahoma. Now, again, it's, they're a big 12 team and they'll probably still be pretty good on offense, but I think, you know, bettering that defense, which Brent Venables will definitely do, whether it's through bringing in recruits or, you know, his scheme or whatever, he's going to, he's going to make sure that that defense is good. And so I think that's definitely the biggest plus that, that Brent Venables brings to Oklahoma. Now I, I said that Miami would be the easy cop out answer, but I also think that they're that it is the actual answer to this question, because again, Mario Cristobal, he's had so much success at Oregon and Oregon's been good, right? You know, they had back when they were really good with Marcus Marriott, when, when they won the championship or yeah, they won the championship, right? They played or they, for the championship. They played Ohio state. Ohio state. Football. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was when Zeke was there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Right. So, yeah, they went to the championship, but they lost against Ohio State. But again, like they had Marcus Mariota, DeAnthony Thomas. That team was amazing. And if you play NCAA 14 as much as Matt, you would probably know how good they are. <laughs> but um, yeah, but getting back to the point, right, I think Mario Cristobal is definitely the better addition in terms of coaching and, you know, in terms of turning Miami around. Again, Miami, had, they have the swagger, you know, they, they have the turnover chain. They, they've still, you know, they've got a great stadium. They've, they've, they've got everything there. It's just that, you know, not that Manny Diaz was bad, but like, it's just that I think they needed a little bit of a boost. And I think that Mario Cristobal is going to bring that. Like Matt said, he's, a, he's huge into recruiting. And so I think that, right. I think that he's, he's definitely the guy that'll, that'll give him the best head start, you know, at least towards the beginning. But again, Brent Venables, you never know. Like he, he's a defensive guy, but he could attract some offensive players just because of the name. And so, right. With that Oklahoma defense, definitely getting better under Brent Venables. We could see, you know, we could see Oklahoma kind of start trending in the right direction in future years, but right. We kind of, you know, without Lincoln Riley, they're, they're not going to be the same. Let's be honest, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Um, you know, that, that's definitely right. And, and you are correct in your answer that, that man or that Mario Cristobal um, will have more success at Miami than, than Brent Venables will at Oklahoma, at least kind of immediately. Um, I mean, you know, as we mentioned, the, the recruiting is going to, he's basically going to have to overhaul that place. And, and now that Miami does have a good recruiter, they're automatically going to get a lot of the talent uh, kind of in there um, immediately. Whereas Oklahoma is going to kind of have to rebuild their recruiting kind of, you know, strategy and everything like that so here's the reason the real reason why Miami is a way better job than Oklahoma is because there's a new athletic director who apparently is basically like we're going to spend all of our money possible on football and if you didn't know boosters are one of the biggest parts of any college football team now what is a booster booster is essentially a person who went to the school or is just a really big fan of the school uh, and their sports programs who is insanely rich and just gives all of their money well not all but insanely large sums of money to the football program or the basketball program or whatever but we hear about this in in places like texas alabama lsu USC even to some extent, where the booster culture is insane. 
it's all these literally these guys who are basically like, all right, instead of spending millions of dollars on my house or, or, you know, four Ferraris or, you know, sending, you know, 10 of my grandkids to college, I'm just going to give all of my money to the football program so that our football team can be amazing. And it's so funny. And I think that's kind of the, the, the overarching, like really big picture view that we're getting right now. All these teams who are hiring new coaches because they want to get back to the glory days, right? And these teams that have glory days are these perennial star, you know, powerhouse teams who over the past 10 years just haven't done anything. And it's so funny to think about like, these teams are getting so much money from their boosters to make the program better, the football program in specific, in particular, and haven't done anything with it. Um, so now that we see this whole kind of shift of more culture and whatever, Miami is going to benefit from this. And Mario Cristobal is going to benefit from this. I was reading an article uh, yesterday that kind of broke it down and basically said two of the Miami boosters who are, I think they were kind of, fans of the of the team and, and kind of wanted to contribute but didn't really like Manny Diaz that much were really really pushing for Mario Cristobal especially since he went there he has ties down there he knows people down there they were pushing for him a lot and and basically the, there's like I think three individuals in particular who are all billionaires they're you know in the finance world and business and whatever and and are basically just promising tons and tons of money to the Miami football program to, in order, you know, whether it be recruiting or, or facilities, basically just anything to lure, you know, the best recruits to Miami that, you know, on top of already being a good recruiter, Mario Cristobal will be able to bring in all of this talent. So that's why the Miami job is way, way better than the Oklahoma job. As of right now, again, it's going to depend on whether or not we can really see these coaches be able to cash in on, on the benefits that they're getting from these boosters or, or the, the kind of wealth of talent that they have that they're going to be able to recruit. I do think that Mario Cristobal is going to do a really good job of recruiting and he'll get some really good players in there. I think it's going to depend on his staff in terms of how well these recruits are developed and how, how kind of they're able to play kind of, you know, and, and develop the players and, 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 you know, kind of improve the team overall. It's going to, depend more I think on his offensive and defensive coordinators than it is necessarily him you know kind of bringing in his system his system is recruiting and I think he will get a lot of good players especially since he has the extra money from these boosters and these billionaires who are literally like take my money so that we can make our team better isn't that we you know wouldn't that be such what a, what a concept right I mean wouldn't that be like the best thing to do in life is just you know here here's a tons of money please spend it um on our football program. So that's, that's essentially the kind of big picture of what we're looking at here when it comes to these types of jobs. And it's, and it's rampant across college football in general, it happens all the time. And it's really, I think going to be interesting to see now how the NIL rules name image and likeness, which is kind of the new rule that the NCAA instituted, which says players can profit off of their name image and likeness. So, you know, a, a quarterback at a big school can sign a deal with a local restaurant or, or even a, you know, nationwide or worldwide restaurant. And and be paid to be in commercials, to be in, you know, to sign autographs, all that stuff. They previously were not able to do that. Now that they are, these bigger schools with these bigger names and bigger connections will, I think, be a better destination for people who, you know, are, you know, 17 and 18 year olds who can make a lot, a lot of money by you know, signing deals with, with, with sponsors and getting paid. There was this really funny story that came out before the college football season started this year 
And uh, Nick Saban was talking about, you know, he, again, he wants to keep everything hush hush, but I think, you know, just one insane flex that he, that he said was like, basically in, in the span of a month since this NIL deal went into play, Bryce Young, who had, by the way, never taken a snap at Alabama yet. He had not played a single second of football, had already made over a million dollars in one month since the NIL deals uh, rolled out. Um, and, and and it's just the numbers are staggering. So again, that's another reason, right? If you're going to have these billionaires who are behind you and supporting you and throwing money at you to say, hey, make the football program better. And on top of that, you have the NIL rules, which now allow players to profit and, and make money based on you know sponsors and all that other stuff. I think it's a really good opportunity for, to become a head coach in college football right now it just depends on the location that you're at um, and, and kind of how good of a recruiter you are. And so now that Mario Cristobal is already established as a good, you know, student athlete recruiter, it's going to be kind of cool to see, like, can he really make this into a big thing? But I think Hayden made a good point, you know, about Brent Venables. Like this guy is a really, really great coach and he definitely knows how to run a program. So, so he will also be able to establish some greatness at Oklahoma. And, and clearly pretty much every coach that Oklahoma has had has had success there. Um, uh, and so that's that's not really an issue. And I think that, right, once he gets his feet on the ground, he gets some good coordinators under him, especially someone who can kind of run the offense as fluidly as it has for the past, you know, five to 10 years under Lincoln Riley. Um, he will definitely have some success there as well. Alrighty, great rundown of the college football coach situation there and also the college football playoff situation that we have at hand. Again, I'm super excited to see how this pans out, especially with, you know, bowl games are out too. So everybody go make your bowl game picks and those start on the 17th, I believe. And yeah, it'll be really fun to watch the bowl games and also the, the playoff games that, that, that are yet to come. So moving on to our holiday segment, our final segment of the day, final content segment of the day. So we've got holiday season, obviously, still still in full swing. Actually, right now, it's probably in its fullest swing um, so far. And so we've got another Christmas segment here, but it's, it's a little bit different this time. It's not a it's not I don't think it's not I don't think it's as good as my Christmas song bracket that we've did on our first holiday segment. But um, it's 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 still a good one. So basically, the the premise here is we've picked three athletes or three sports figures actually, because we did, we included coaches too. And so we've, we've picked three sports figures each and we are going to say what we would get each of them for Christmas. Now you can probably guess there's going to be a couple funny ones in here. And that's pretty much the point of this, of this segment here. And so I'm just going to kick it off with my first, with my first athlete. So my first athlete is, Logan Thomas. And so if you guys don't know, he's the tight end for the Redskins, I mean, for the Washington football team. And it's crazy that I'm saying if you don't know him, because he was, I think he was ranked like the third or fourth tight end in fantasy drafts this year, but he's really only played, I think, five full games. And so he played the first four games of the season and then he missed like seven weeks and then he came back for one game and then he got hurt again. And so I'm giving him a whole new body because this man, he gets hurt so many times. He's so injury prone 
and it's it's not even like really in the same place. Like it's 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 all over. I mean, I think he got like he was one of those guys where he gets a concussion like every other game, and so by the time by the time he gets his you know fifteenth concussion, he like doesn't even know that he has a concussion because he's just so used to the pain. But yeah, he. I don't. I, I think I don't know why he went on IR at the beginning of the year. Again, I drafted him in one league, and I just totally for like I just put him on the bench and just forgot about him because he was on, on IR for seven weeks. But then he came back and he played a full game two weeks ago, and then this past week he, he tore his ACL and MCL. It's like, dude, what? Like you were on IR for seven games, and then you tear your. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because that, that that sucks. But again, like. He tears his ACL and MCL. He's not gonna. He's probably gonna be out until like at least training camp next year. Dude, he's, jeez, dude. I, I don't know how these guys do it in the NFL. But again, yeah, I'm getting him a whole new body because he he needs he needs to be he basically needs to be reborn. Like he <laughs> he needs a whole new life to, to recover yeah, from what from what really is from a what's unfortunate situation there. And and yeah, it's it's not that it's not the best to be laughing as much as Hayden did, but. Right. Um, no, it is. It's it's almost like you know you're, you're laughing at like how insane it is, how unfortunate I think it is, right? I mean, it's one yeah. of those. It's it's such an awkward situation that it's like you. It's almost funny. Um. So yes, I think that's a uh, you know a little bit comical, but at the same time, you know, right? I, he 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 does need to be gifted a whole new body. My first sports figure is Bill Belichick, and you know. If you know anything about him, you know that his fashion is not at 100% really, really ever. And so I am going to give Bill Belichick a hoodie with sleeves that aren't torn off because he does this weird thing where he he, he wears a hoodie and he'll wear like a long sleeve or, or a regular t-shirt under it, but he'll like cut off the sleeves of the hoodie and just wear that or, or he'll like, and he'll just wear like really worn down hoodies and stuff. And it's so funny because it's always a hoodie. Like, dude, they were literally playing in a blizzard in Buffalo on Monday night. And this guy's in a hoodie. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he basically is wearing like a, like a puffer coat underneath. And I was like, all right, I gotta have my hoodie on top. Yeah. He, he at least had sleeves, I think, on the hoodie that, that he was wearing in Buffalo. But still, it's like, come on, dude. So I'm going to gift Bill Belichick a, a hoodie with sleeves that aren't cut off and, and, and one that isn't you know, hasn't been worn for the last 10 years because he just needs a little bit of an increase in his fashion sense. Already yeah. moving. And as a Patriots fan, I totally agree with that, dude. I don't, I don't, I mean, you got to have some class. Come on, Bill. But again, he's his legacy, I think kind of speaks for itself. You, I'm mean, at that point. You can wear a cutoff sweatshirt and not even really give a crap anymore. So, right. Moving on to my second well, this is not an athlete. My second sports figure, it's kind of fitting because we've already talked about him this episode, and it's going to be Brent Venables. Now, like I said in you know my little part on the segment that we just talked about where he was in, he's one of the most passionate defensive coordinators you'll ever see. And there was actually – ESPN actually did this thing where – they um they 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 made a whole like documentary basic or like a mini documentary on the this big like buff dude that they had to hire to keep Brent Venables back like he had to literally hold him back from running onto the field basically like the whole entire game at, at Clemson they, he he he's had that job I think ever since Brent Venables has been there but yeah they actually had to hire this huge like this random dude that's just all muscle and he basically his job is to stand behind Brent Venables and basically pull him back like 
grab his waist physically and and rip him back off of the field because Brent Venables gets way too into the game. And so I'm getting Brent Venables a shot collar for Christmas because this man, he, if you if you just put if you just put the little electrical line like the ones that dogs have where it, where you you know you put the electrical line at the end of your yard and it shocks them every time. It's kind of sad again, like you know it's it's not nice, but it shocks their collar every time they try to go past the yard the end of the yard. Dude, Brent Venables needs one needs one of those for the sidelines because <laughs> I swear if he had a shot collar every time he went past the sidelines. Um, he'd probably be like in cardiac arrest by now. But. Well, either that, either that, or he would actually just wouldn't care because he's so into the game and his adrenaline's going so much that he's like, he just takes all the shots. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to stay on the field. Yeah, dude. He's getting like wrestled by this big buff dude and he's smiling because he's just so into the game. It's like, dude, gosh, you need some kind of thing that's going to hurt you more. But yeah, I'm getting him a shot collar because again, he needs something. They need to, I mean, I guess that big buff dude's getting paid probably more than we ever could even think, but um, right. Yeah. He needs, you know, they, they need to give that other buff dude, some other job, like strength and conditioning coach, you know, something that's more meaningful. And then, and then, you know, give Brent Venables a more mechanical way of, of, of staying off the, off the field. Okay. My next one is it's a two for one special. All right. We got two players here, but it's, it's, it's related because they gotten into it. Um, and it, and it was just funny. One of those things that again, because we're kind of doing this segment for the first time, I was thinking back a little bit, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, kind of into, into these, for these examples. So mine is, I am going to give Michael Crabtree who, who was a receiver in the NFL for, for a little while. Good. You know, I think he retired probably three or four years ago. So again, this is a little bit outdated, but um, he was a good receiver. He played for the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl. You know, he was good. So he and Akib Talib, who was a uh, cornerback for the Broncos when they won the Super Bowl. And he, he was like, you know, he was always an all pro. He's really great. And he actually calls games now. Um, and, and it's really funny because he's he's like a he's like he's like an actual football player who's now in the booth and he's just like talking it as if he was still on the field. And so it's really mm-hmm. funny, funny to listen to. But anyway, they got into it one game and um, and Akeem Tlaib it, like during a play when Michael Crabtree was running around, this is like how good that Akeem Tlaib was. He literally ripped Michael Crabtree's chain off of his neck and then like basically just threw it on the ground. And then they like actually really, they were still running the play. Um, and so it was this huge deal. And it was so funny. Cause it was like, Oh my God. Like, it's like the most disrespectful thing to get your chain snatched and whatever. So anyway, we are going to, we're going to, we're going to play the piece. Okay. We're going to play the middleman on this exchange. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, vote for peace. We're going to get Michael Crabtree a new chain, which I'm sure he probably already has. And he probably already spent like 40 grand on it, but whatever. We'll get Michael Crabtree a new train, new chain. And then we'll get, we'll get a keep to leave some butter to put on his gloves so that he's a little bit slippery and he's not able to grab that chain next time. That's pretty good. Now, my third and final sports figure. Again, it's not an athlete this time, and this may be this may be a little bit out there, but I think a lot of you will be able to agree with me. My third figure, sports figure, is Monty Williams, the head coach for the Phoenix Suns. And so the Suns have been on a great run lately until they lost to the Warriors, which is pretty pretty sad. Um, that was kind of cool though. They they played the Warriors twice in like three games, and they won the first one, and then they lost. The second one, which is again, that's it, kind of shows you, you know, they went one well, and one. They they mostly lost because Devonte or Devin Booker got hurt in the in like the first quarter of the first game. So it was really amazing that they were able to even win that game after yeah. Booker went out. Um, but then yeah, and then the Warriors. I mean that you know, they're the Warriors. So, yeah. Right. 
Right. So that's, I don't even know why I went on that tangent. That's not really, really the point. But Monty Williams, if you've ever seen him, he's like, he just looks like a dude with class. And so this is a little bit out there, but I feel like, I feel like Monty Williams can sing really well. I've never heard him sing, but I feel like he, if he were to just start like, breaking out in song during a, you know, during a post-game interview or something like that, he would really surprise a lot of people. So I'm getting him a, a, a karaoke machine to see what he can do. All right. You know, he, he may be bad, but I, I feel like just the way he looks and like just the way he, I don't know, kind of carries himself on the sidelines. He's, he's usually pretty calm. You know, coaches can get riled up every once in a while, but he's usually pretty calm. And he's, he's just like, he's a class act. He's, you know, really polite dude. And so I feel I feel like he would have a really nice voice. And so I'm going to get him a karaoke machine, see what he can do. All right. That's uh, definitely random, but I, I, I like where you're going with that one. Could have thought of something actually practical. But, hey, we're, you know, thinking outside the box. Okay. I get it. Sort of. Not really. No, not at all. Okay. My final athlete who actually will be gifted this Christmas present because, um, you know, we're not, we're not theorizing over here, is Isaiah Stewart. He is the guy who got in that fight with LeBron a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and it was, it was really weird. like, you look at it and it's like, he, yeah. So anyway, um, they, they basically, what happened was LeBron, it was like, he was like getting up or he was going back. He was going back for, you know, after a rebound or whatever. And he like goes to turn around and LeBron's elbow is like right there and just hits him in the face. And he's, you know, he starts bleeding and whatever, and he goes after him and they're all, you know, all the teammates are pulling each other back and whatever. Um, and, but he was so mad. It was like actually funny how mad he got, uh, you know, at LeBron. He's like, you know, you're, oh, you're trying to ruin whatever. And it's again, it's like, dude, you're first of all, like the difference in, in stature between LeBron and Isaiah Stewart, who like yeah. is this no name guy who plays for the Pistons. It's like, really? But anyway, um, we need to give Isaiah Stewart some glasses, man. That is going to be his, his Christmas present because he kind of, now if you watch the video, it looks a little bit incidental, but when you really look at it, he kind of runs into LeBron's elbow. Like it's like, it's coming back. And again, obviously this stuff happens at, at very intense speeds and you're playing a professional sport here. So I, you know, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, he, you got it. You got to be able to see that coming. I mean, LeBron is 6'8", 280. Like this guy is not a, a small human being. You see his elbow coming across your face. You got to duck or something like that. So we need to get to Isaiah Stewart some glasses. So hopefully he can see the next time he's about to get elbowed in the face. Alrighty, yeah. I mean, again, like Matt said, you know, you, you can say that's practical, I guess, but right. Hey, if if Monty Williams can't sing, then I don't know. He can re-gift his karaoke machine to somebody else. But again, just the way he looks, you know, looks like he can sing. Anyway, that finishes or that wraps up our hey, it wraps up like a Christmas present. But that wraps up our holiday segment on the on athletes and what we get them for Christmas. Now, again, as you guys know, if you even listen this far, you guys know that we have a little bonus section where Matt gives you his his lock of the week, and then I give you my fantasy waiver wire pickup of the week. So I'm gonna hand it over to Matt here to uh, give his little spiel. Yeah, a little spiel. The spiel has not gone well this thus far yeah. this season. Um, I, I, there, there's really no explaining I can do. I, I can make excuses, but I'm not going to for one and four. Okay, we were betting on college football. I don't know why we were doing that. We're going back to the NFL. Really, that's our only option. So we're just going to go to that anyway. Yeah. But lock of the week this week, 
The Falcons are playing the Panthers. It's at the Panthers. Panthers are coming off a bye. You're thinking, okay, well, that's a pretty good situation for, situation for them to be in. No, okay? They lost Christian McCaffrey for the year. He's gone, okay? They're playing – Sam Darnold is hurt. He's not going to play. He's not playing. It's probably going to be Cam Newton, but Cam Newton can't throw the ball worth, worth anything at this point. And on top of that, the Panthers fired Joe Brady, who's their offensive coordinator, on Sunday. <laughs> so it's like, all right, you're going to give me a team who has no running back, their best player, no quarterback, because their quarterback can't throw the ball, and no offensive coordinator to even do anything like that, and then their defense on top of that is terrible. Okay, they're playing the Falcons. The Falcons can basically be attributed to basically the same team, if not worse, than the Panthers. However, we've seen some fight, Okay. Matt Ryan has actually played surprisingly pretty well this year. Their defense, a little bit shaky, but again, who's going to score on them on the Panthers? Who from the Panthers is going to score on the Falcons this week? Nobody, nobody, okay? Now, you're thinking, all right, cool. You got the Falcons, you got the Panthers. What are the Falcons, you know, they're probably favored by what, five or six points? No! They are getting two and a half points this week. They are underdogs in Carolina. Maybe it's the home field, whatever. All right. There's no way that the Panthers are going to be able to score in the Falcons. The Falcons are actually going to put up points. You got Russell Gage streaking down the middle. All right. So that's where we're going to go this week. Lock of a week. Falcons plus two and a half. It's a little bit dicey. We're going to get it done. You can even take the money line if you're looking for a little bit more value. Okay. But we're taking the Falcons. Take the points. And money line does sound spicy that I have to, I have to agree with that. Now, my, Fantasy waiver wire pickup of the week. My my past two haven't actually no, really all of mine. I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same situation here as Matt. All of my waiver wire pickups haven't really done that well. Mac Jones got I think ten points when I told you guys to pick him up. I know that um, Tevin Coleman, uh, the the Jets running backs didn't do well the week that I told you to pick the, them up. And then Ken, Kenny, I I, I don't even want to try to say his last name again. He didn't really do anything. Alexander Madison basically took all the carries last week or took all the volume essentially. And so, right. You're kind of left with um, a, a really bad, really bad taste in your mouth. If you, if you listen to me now this week, this, this isn't really a, a weekly, it's not specific to this week, but if, and again, this might not be a case for your league, but if Ramondre Stevenson is on your waiver wire in your league, please go pick him up. He is a great, he's a great um, what insurance back basically to, to Damian Harris. Damian Harris did get shaken up in that, in that game last night against the bills. And so Ramondre Stevenson, who usually gets probably around, I'd say like 30% of the carries Ramondre Stevenson, he's going to get, he's going to be the, the, the lead back. If Damian Harris is out this next, I don't know if he's been confirmed as out, this next week or this coming week, but he's an actually, yeah, yeah. He's based Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the lead back in new England. And the last time he was a lead back in new England, I think he scored like almost or over 20 points. And so he's a great, I mean, he's a great back. Even if Damian Harris is playing, he runs super well. I actually think that Ramondre Stevenson might have a chance in the off season. If he keeps us up, he might have a chance to even take over the starting role next year. If both of them stay in new England, and so, right, I think Ramondre Stevenson is actually – he could be the best back in New England, and he's going to be starting next week. And he's actually available in a good bit of my leagues. I know I picked him up in one, and I think he's, he's still available in another one, so I'm probably going to pick up him up in that one if nobody else gets him before me. 
So again, if you've got Ramondre Stevenson available in your league, go ahead and pick him up because he's probably the best back in, in New England, the best pure runner in New England. So with that being said, hopefully Ramondre Stevenson will do you some good this week or at least in the coming weeks. And hopefully he'll be good, a good insurance back, but insurance back. Yeah. And back. Um, but yeah, that finishes off the bonus segments that we've, that we've had or that we have for today. And that basically finishes off our show for today. Thank you guys for listening. And yeah, we, we've, we're probably, we're going to have one on Saturday this coming week, a little bit of a kind of, uh, warning for you guys. I won't, I'm going to be in Disney world the week of the 17th. So the week, basically the week of Christmas, I'm going to be in Disney world. So I won't be, I'm not going to bring my podcasting stuff with me. And so I'm not going to be able to record that week all week, basically, because I get back on Christmas Eve. And then actually Christmas day is when we do is when we would usually do our Saturday episode. I don't know if we'll do one that day. We actually might end up doing one that that day, but yeah. So Next week, we're still good for next week, but that next, um, basically starting next Saturday, we, we won't be doing a podcast that Saturday or that Tuesday. So we're going to miss kind of that whole week. Well, I wouldn't make any promises there because you know who's still here? Me. I'm keeping the content train rolling, right? So I, I, I can do it. I know I can do it because, again, they come here for me. That's what the people want to hear. So yeah. I'll be here. I'll do it. If I if it, if I have to talk by myself for an hour I, about sports, I couldn't find a better thing to do. Maybe we'll get to talk about that MLB lockout. Ooh. But yeah, yeah, I'll be here to do it. If Hayden wants to join, he can. If not, we're doing Tuesday and Saturday. That's the grind. That's what we're doing. We got to give it to the people. Yeah. Well, you can talk about MLB lockout all you want without me there. That's actually probably better because again, I am not really. It's not really at the you know at the forefront of my mind right now, but. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that Matt wanted to do that. But if he wants to do a solo episode or two, then then he can go right ahead and do that for sure. I'll have to kind of show him the works in terms of editing because, you know, it's, it's not as easy as you think there, uh, Matt Meister. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll show him the, you know, show him the works. I'll give him a little tutorial on how to how to edit and get this these podcasts up and uploaded. But yeah, that that'll be pretty interesting. Honestly, I'll 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 enjoy listening to those, even though you know I hear Matt's voice enough. But it's all right. But yeah, thank you guys for listening as always. And if you made it this far in the episode, we love you because it's a pretty grueling end of the episode usually. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, thank you guys for staying tuned, and we will see you guys on Saturday.